0: how good it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. What was it David said? One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. You see, the reality is there's no better place for you and I to be than in the presence of the Most High God tonight. Amen. And that's exactly where we're at. We're in His presence. Because the Bible tells me where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of them. Amen? I want you to know we're in the presence of the Lord tonight, and I believe with all of my heart that God has a Word for us as well. His presence is here. He has a Word for us as well. And then what He wants to do after the Word, I'm leaving that up to Him. Amen? He's giving me an idea in my spirit. We'll just see how He leads. But before we even get to the Word, the my message or the Word that God gave to me as a place of prayer... It's from 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 30 to 37, where David finds himself in the most desperate time of his life. And I'm not gonna give away anything else. You find out as we go to the Word, amen? But we're gonna find out what he did in his time of need. And before we go any further, one more time, go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in this place tonight, Father God. Thank you that we've not gathered in vain. We thank you that we've gathered in the name of the Most High God. We thank you that you're here. Thank you that you have a word for us, that you want to visit with us, Father God. I thank you for all the prayers that have gone up Sunday, Monday, and last night, God. And there's more prayers that are going to go up this evening. But I thank you, Father God, that you've already heard those prayers. You've already begun to loose the answer to those prayers. And we praise you for that, Father God. We thank you for the testimonies that are going to come forth, Lord God. We thank you for the good reports. We thank you for the turnaround. We thank you for the healings. We thank you for the miracles. We thank you for the transformed lives, Lord God. We just praise you for it, God, even beforehand. I thank You for the Word once again that's about to come forth. We pray for Your anointing to be upon me and upon Your people as well. I pray that You would give us ears to hear, Father God, and hearts that are willing and ready to receive. I pray that we would be willing to respond to Your Word, God. I pray that we would not worry about the person next to us, in front of us, or behind us tonight, but let us believe that this Word is for me and me alone. If there was no one else in this house tonight, God, let that word be for us as individuals. We give you the praise and the glory and ask that you would come against every hindering spirit, God, that we might receive with gladness the seed of your salvation and the instruction, Father God, you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Before I get to 2 Samuel... You know me, I wander around, I give us a whole bunch of scriptures, but in the middle of my message, we're going to get to the middle of of God's Word. But I'm going to start in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Again, this is all about prayer, prayer week. And the first thing that I will say, I hope that that this week, I hope that Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and this night is not the only night you pray this week. I pray that this is not the only time or the season of prayer you have for the entire 2014, because I promise you, if it is, you'll never make it past next week. We need to pray and pray without ceasing. Amen? Because the Bible comes against us without ceasing. We need to pray without ceasing. But Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the Word of God tells us that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. It was a place of prayer for him. And just like Jesus found a place of prayer, we all need to find a place of prayer as well. Amen. But one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. One of the things that I want you to notice is what he didn't say. He didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to sing. He didn't come and say, Jesus, teach us how to preach or teach us how to teach, or teach us how to evangelize, as important as those things are, this young disciple came up to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And one of the things that you need to understand is that prayer was not a foreign concept to these disciples. It's not like they had never, ever prayed before, church. The truth is, each one of these disciples, as young boys, learned how to recite certain prayers. They learned how to memorize certain prayers. From the time they were a young boy, prayer was part of their Jewish heritage, church. And, and this, is, this is what we have to understand. We need to realize that these individuals or these disciples and this young man had seen the Pharisees pray and they had seen the, the Sadducees pray. They saw them pray all the time in their fancy robe and their fancy garbs. But the problem was when the Pharisees prayed and the Sadducees prayed, nothing ever changed and nothing ever happened. And the reality is this disciple saw that and he understood that. But when Jesus prayed, something happened. When Jesus prayed, something moved. When Jesus prayed, his prayers penetrated heaven and heaven moved on his behalf, church. When Jesus prayed, something happened. It's exactly why this young disciple said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because this individual wanted to pray with power. This individual wanted to pray fervent prayers like Jesus prayed. When this young man prayed, he didn't want it to be a useless exercise. He didn't want it to be a futile effort. He didn't want it to be a waste of time. When this young man prayed, he wanted something to happen in the heavens. And he wanted something to move in hell. And he wanted something to move on earth like it did every time Jesus prayed. And all you got to do is read through the New Testament Scripture every time Jesus opened His mouth up to the Father. Heaven moved, church. And that's what our desire should be. We should have such a prayer life. We should have such an intimate relationship with our Father that when we find our place of prayer, whether it's in the middle of the night or the middle of the morning or the middle of the afternoon, something should happen, church. Something should change. Something should move. Someone should tremble. Someone should be afraid. Someone should hear our prayers. They should get farther than the rooftop. They should be able to reach into the heavens. And this is why this disciple said, Lord, teach us how to pray. wanted something to happen. Listen, This disciple that made the request saw Jesus pray and then heal the sick. This disciple saw him pray and then cast out demons. This disciple saw him pray and then raise up the dead and give them new life. He saw Jesus pray and multiply five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people all at the same time. Why? All through the power of prayer. When Jesus prayed, something happened. In Mark chapter 1, this disciple found Jesus, the Bible says, praying in the dark of the morning in a lonely and desolate place only to have Jesus rise up, walk from that place, and go cast out more demons and heal a leper. That's why this individual said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And here's what I don't want you to get confused. Again, these individuals knew how to pray, They had recited prayers. They weren't foreign to prayer, but there was something about the way Jesus prayed. There was a connection that Jesus made with heaven, and that's what these disciples wanted. If this disciple was going to follow Jesus, he wanted to be like Jesus and experience the power of Jesus in his life. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want something to happen. I don't want it to be a futile exercise. I don't want it to be a waste of God's time and I don't want it to be a waste of my time. And one of the things we got to be careful of is when we come into the presence of the Lord, we need to make sure that we're able to lift up holy hands. Amen. We need to make sure that our heart is right. We need to make sure our spirit is right. Otherwise, we are wasting our time and we are wasting God's time. But if we want something to move, We've got to make sure that we enter into the, this place of prayer with the right spirit, with clean hands and a pure heart. Otherwise, God won't hear our prayers. But the reality is the disciple said, Lord, teach us how to pray, because when Jesus prayed, something happened. This disciple made it clear if you read through the passage. He didn't want to pray like the Pharisees who prayed with big words. Didn't want to pray like the Pharisees who just repeated a bunch of empty words. He wanted to pray like Jesus. This young man wanted heaven to hear his prayers and wanted heaven to respond to his prayers. And we should all desire the same exact thing. Amen. When you and I go to prayer and find our place of prayer, we should want heaven to hear us and we should want heaven to respond. But the reality is this, unless we pray, nothing will move. Unless we pray, nothing will happen. Unless we pray, heaven can't hear us and heaven can't help us unless we pray, church. In Psalm 3, 4, David said, I cried out to the Lord with my voice and he heard me and answered me from his holy hill. What I want to focus on tonight is this, my voice. You see, the reality is it's one thing for God to hear pastor's voice, It's one thing for God to hear my voice. It's one thing for God to hear Brother Sammy, our prayer director's voice and the staff's voice and the prayer team's voice. But God wants to hear your voice. God wants to hear your cry. God wants to hear your prayer. God wants to hear your words. You see, over the last few weeks, on the first time we came together, pastor laid hands on you, and pastor anointed you, and pastor prayed for you. On the next several nights, the prayer team was here, and they prayed for you, and they spoke for you, and the staff came up, and the staff prayed. But tonight, God wants to hear your voice. Tonight, God wants to hear your prayer. You see, because there are a point in time in your life where I won't be there and Pastor won't be there and Sammy won't be there, but please listen to me. The Holy Ghost will be there. If you would just find a place of prayer and call on God and let Him hear your voice, heaven will move and heaven will answer you, church. God wants to hear your voice. David said, I cried out to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. He heard my voice. He heard my words. He heard me speak. He heard me cry and he heard me pray, David said. And he wants to hear your voice as well. He wants to hear you pray. He wants to hear you pray. You see, one of the realities is, and, and I know you've all been here and I know you've all been praying... But I hope you understand There's some individuals that just have not cultivated yet that conversation with God that has to be had. They're waiting on someone else to speak for them and pray for them and call on God for them. But they have not yet come to that place where they have cultivated a conversation with God that has the power to move angels and has the power to cause hell to tremble. They're waiting on someone else. And the devil will silence you. The devil will be in fear. You mean I got to go up there and pray? Yes. Yes. And I'll teach that as we go. Yes, you have to pray. Because if you don't, heaven can't hear you. You have to understand. Yeah, heaven will hear the pastor. Heaven will hear me. Heaven wants to hear you. Amen. And that's the focus of my word this evening. It's why God said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and what? And pray, then I would hear from heaven and heal their land. But like I said, unless we pray, heaven can't hear us. Unless we lift up our voice, God can't hear us. You understand what I'm saying? God can do everything, okay? And I'm going to get to that too. So don't, don't think I'm speaking falsely here. But the reality is, I don't ever want you to think I'm thinking God can't do something. God can hear whatever he wants to hear. Amen. He understands the thoughts and the intentions of every heart. And I'll teach that in just a second. But the reality is, if we don't pray, God can't hear us. If God can't hear us, God can't help us. 1 John 5, 14 says, This is the confidence I have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if He hears us, we shall have the things we ask of Him. But I want you to see where that started. It says, This is the confidence I have in God. Listen, if you don't ask, you can't have any confidence. If you're not willing to exercise your voice, why do you think there's so many people in the house of God that have no confidence in God? It's because they've not come to that place where they're asking. Asking God, where they're voicing their, their prayers to God, they come up and wait for someone else to do the work. See what I'm saying? They got no confidence. But if you begin to develop that conversation with God, when you begin to allow God to hear your voice and you begin to allow God to hear your prayer and you break through that fear and you break through that, that worry and you break through that self-consciousness, then that confidence begins to develop in your life. The more you pray, the more confident you get. The more you pray, the more more boldly you can come before God's throne room of grace, amen? But it says it, read it. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. So that tells me that he can't hear me unless I ask. It means he can't hear me unless I let him hear my voice. It means He can't hear me unless I allow Him to have a conversation with me, unless I begin to converse with Him, church. And if He then hears us, then we shall have what we ask of Him. If we ask, if we pray, if we call on our Father which is in heaven, church, He hears us, and if He hears us, then we shall have the things we ask of Him. But the problem is, according to James 4, 2, we have not because we ask not. What do you think James is talking about when he says ask? He's talking about prayer. He's talking about a conversation with the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's talking about developing a conversation with Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals us. If you want healing, go talk to the healer. If you want provision, start a conversation with Jehovah Jireh and watch what happens in your life. If you need some peace in your soul, go have a conversation with Jehovah Shalom and see what floods your soul. I can't give you the peace you need. Pastor can't give you the peace you need. Money and the things of this world can't give you the peace that you need. You got to start having conversation with the right people. You see, the problem is we find ourselves in trouble and we go starting having conversations at the water cooler when we should be having conversations with God. If you ask anything, He hears us. And if He hears us, we'll have the things we ask of Him. But the problem, like I said, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we pray not. We have not because God is. Is still waiting to hear our voice, church. Like I said, I know God knows the thoughts and the intentions of every heart. I know He knows the words that we're about to speak before they even cross over our lips, the Bible says. There's things going on in your heart. There's things going on in your soul. And God knows what those words are before they even cross over your lips, the Bible says. But God still wants them to cross over your lips. You see, the sad reality is, church, and I'm speaking about where I used to be in my life. There were times I would come into the house of God, and when there was an altar call, I would walk up here and I would just stand here. Okay, God, you're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. You know the needs I have. Go ahead. Touch me. Bless me. But I would not have a conversation with him. I would not let him hear my voice. I would not let him hear, your, hear my words. And that's what we think sometimes. We walk up into the presence of God. We think he's all-knowing. This big mind reader up in the sky that I shouldn't have to tell him anything, that he knows my situation, and he knows my sickness, and he knows my cupboards barren. He knows my bank account's empty. How come he's not doing anything? Because he have not asked Him to. In prayer believing... You see, there's a difference there too. The Bible says that we are to pray believing. A lot of people come with a bucket list and a grocery list and they shove it out to God, but they don't believe He's going to do anything. And it's why their cupboards are still bare and their bank account is still bare and why they still don't have peace and they still don't have joy because they're not praying believing. And that's a whole other message in itself. But we need to understand that there are rules and regulations to this thing called prayer. But the reality is, boil it all down to nothing. If you don't pray, it all starts with prayer. If we don't pray, God can't hear us. And if God can't hear us, God can't help us. He knows the thoughts and the intentions, but he still wants that prayer to come across your lips. Because here's two things I want you to learn and write down. Prayer is an act of humility and prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is an act of humility and prayer is an act of faith. And I know a lot of people won't like to hear this, but if you don't pray, you're not humble. If you don't pray, you're not humble. And if you don't pray, you have no faith. And the Bible tells me that God opposes the proud But he gives grace to the humble. The Bible tells me that without faith it's impossible to please God. So please listen to me. If you don't pray, you're not pleasing to God. If you don't pray, you're walking in pride, and God will oppose you instead of bless you. If you don't have a prayer life going on, if you're not communicating with the Father, if He doesn't hear your voice, you're telling God, I don't need you today. I don't need you in my marriage. I don't need you in my situation. I don't need you in my mess. Prayer is an act of humility, and it is an act of faith. And without either one of those, I can't please God. He opposes the proud. Please listen to me. I know that we might not do this on purpose, but when you get up in the morning, if you don't pray, it's pride saying, I can make it through this day without you, God. If you don't get up in the morning and confess to the Father which is in heaven that this day is going to be filled with hell and heartache, if you don't walk with me, God, I, I'm, I can't breathe, I can't move, I can't walk, I can't think, I can't make a penny, I can't make a dollar without you. If you wake up in the morning and you don't pray, it's pride saying, God, I can make it through this day without you. My kids can make it through school without you. My spouse can make it through the workday without you. My marriage can survive without you. The first thing we should do in an act of humility is rise up and tell God, I need you today. And this isn't to brag on me, but the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, there's a little prayer being whispered in my spirit. When I go into the shower, I begin to pray even more in the shower on my way to work. I designate that time for a time of prayer, church, because I'm not about to tell God, I don't need you today. I need Him, church. I need Him to love my wife. I need Him to be patient with my children. I need Him to speak words of of goodness and grace and mercy. I need Him for a sound mind. I need Him so I can dance and so I can clap and so that I can magnify the Lord. I need Him, church, so I'm not overtaken by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that would love to bury me in my backyard. I need Jesus. And if you don't pray, if you don't pray, God, I don't need you. Prayer is an act of faith. It says, God, I trust you with my day. Not only do I need you with my day, I trust you with my day. I trust you with my wife. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you to take care of my kids when they're out there in a wicked, wild world. I trust you, God, with my mind that the devil will come. I trust you with my finances, Father. Father. Every single time you give your tithe, every time you give an offering, I trust you, God. And listen to me. It's an act of faith. When you don't tithe and you don't give, it's a lack of faith and you're not pleasing to God. And listen to me. Please listen to me. If you or I are not pleasing to God, you think he's going to hear you? You think he's going to help you? No way! He will not. He will not deny himself and he will not deny his word. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, unmerited favor to those who humble themselves in his sight and who have faith in him. The question is, do you have faith in him? Do you trust him with your marriage? Do you trust him with your mind? Do you trust him with every area of your life? You prove that through prayer. You see, prayer confesses to God, I can't do it on my own. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough contacts. I don't have enough prestige. I don't have enough power to make it on my own, God. I need you. That's what prayer does. That is an act of humility. Please understand, if you don't know this already, prayer puts God in charge, Prayer puts God in charge because as soon as you humble yourself before the Lord, as soon as you put yourself at his feet, as soon as you surrender to his authority, you're putting him in charge, okay? So please understand, when you pray, you put God in charge. You put God in charge of your enemies. You put God in charge of your sickness. You put God in charge of your bank account, in charge of your marriage, your mind, everything else. When you pray, you put God in charge. When you don't pray, guess where God is? under you. How can God bless you when he's under you? How can God provide you when he's under you? How can God be a covering when he's beneath your feet? I don't know about you church, but I don't want God under my feet. I want the enemy under my feet and I want God to be my banner. I want him to be my victory. I want him to be the one that I can receive blessings from. And it'll listen to me. I don't know if this seems theologically strange to you, but if you don't pray, God's not over you. Prayer brings us under God's authority. Prayer brings us into position to receive a blessing from Him. Prayer brings us to that place, again, where the power of God can move on our behalf. How many of you want to be in that place? Then we must find a place of prayer. Amen? Not even halfway through page two. Amen. Amen. Unless the Lord comes. And if he does, good. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. So like I said, I know it might sound like we're stretching theology, but the truth is if we're not praying, we're not pleasing to God. According to the word of God, heaven can't help us if we're not praying if we're not coming boldly into his throne room of grace to allow him to hear our voice, he cannot help us in our time of need. Amen? And David demonstrates this. Now I finally get to the body of the text. David finally demonstrates all that I'm talking about in 2 Samuel 15 when he finds himself in the middle of a mess. He finds himself in the center of a critical crisis in his life. He finds his kingdom is crumbling down all around him, church. It's in 2 Samuel 15, verse 30 to 37 as well well. what I'll read. But let me set the foundation. Let me give you a little bit of background so you understand what's taking place here. Up to this point in in 2 Samuel chapter 15, up to now, David's daughter Tamar had been raped by his own son Amnon. David's other son Absalom has murdered Amnon for the, the rape of his sister. Absalom now, because of the murder, has been sent away from the kingdom. He has been expelled and exiled from David's kingdom. Now Dave, now Absalom is filled with anger, and he's filled with wrath, and he's filled with resentment, and he's turned against his own father in that anger. David's kingdom now, at this passage, at this moment in time, is now dividing and deteriorating beneath his feet. The people who once cheered for him, as he walked down the street and threw all sorts of uh, accolades at him, are now turning against him in groves. A large army is on the march against David to overthrow him, church. His own son, Absalom, is fighting and conniving and manipulating against him to take away his throne and to even take David's life. And here we are now in verse 30, verse 37... David's future is unclear. David's life is in danger. His family is fractured. Most of his friends have left him and abandoned him. His world is upside down. It's inside out. It's lopsided. It's crooked. Whatever you want to call it. But the situation in David's life at this point was as dark as it can be. But what does David do? He goes to a place of prayer. He finds a holy hill. It allows God to hear His voice like He recorded in Psalm chapter 3, verse 4. I cried out to the Lord with my voice, and He heard me from my holy hill. I believe He may have written these words because of this situation right here in His life. Because He finds a holy hill and allows God to hear His voice here in verse 30, church. How many of you know that any place you pray can be a holy hill? Amen. Any place you bow your head, any place you bend a knee, any place you call on God with a humble heart can be a holy hill where God hears your cry, hears your voice, and hears your prayer. And it's that very place where he can answer you. You see, the reality is this was the Mount of Olives that, that, that David walked up. But your Mount of Olives can be your car, Your Mount of Olives can be your front seat. Your Mount of Olives can be your break room. Your Mount of Olives can be a a, a lunch room or a, a cafeteria. It can be your bedroom. It can be your family room. It can be your backyard lying on a hammock. It doesn't matter as long as you find a place. And you come to that place with a humble heart that can become the holy hill where God hears you. See? Because here's the reality is. I don't care if you drop down on your knees right here or if you you call on God in your car or you fall on your knees in your living room wherever you call on God His presence comes in. And where the presence of the Lord is, that becomes a holy place. That becomes a place where the Spirit of God and the power of God begins to envelop you and and fill you and come upon you. It's that place where you and God can commune. This isn't the only place you can pray. You can pray anywhere you need to in the midst of your trouble. Please understand here in chapter 15, verse 30, in the middle of hell, he goes to find a place of prayer. And heaven heard him. And I'll get to that. But I wanted you to just learn this. Please don't think the church is locked up, okay? Unfortunately, we live in a wicked world. You can't leave churches open like we used to. But just because the church is closed at 7 o'clock at night doesn't mean you can't find a place of prayer. If you want to drive up to the church and sit in the parking lot, that's fine. You can find God out there too, amen? You just need to find a place of prayer, wherever it might be. But 2 Samuel 15, 30 says, David walked up the road that led to the Mount of Olives to the place where people prayed, and he was weeping as he went. Now, I know there's a lot of versions that don't include that to the place that people prayed, but when you read the original text and you study what the Mount of Olives was and what took place there and you read the following of this this text in these chapters, you find out that it was a place of prayer. You find out that it was a place where people went to connect to God. You'll find out that it was a place where people worshiped God. It was a holy place. So what does David do in the middle of his mess? What does he do when his kingdom is crumbling around him? What does he turn to? Who does he lean on? Who does he rely on? Who does he look to? He goes to find that place of prayer so they can set his eyes to God. Because if anyone understood, David said, I set mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help because my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen? David went to a place of prayer because he knew where his help came from. And the reality is whenever you find yourself in a mess, whenever you find yourself in a situation like David did, when your kingdom is crumbling when everything around you is falling apart, when those that you thought were close have turned against you, when everything in your life is upside down, where should you go? You should go to a place of prayer. But the sad reality is far too often it's the last place we go, church. When I look at this story, I can't help but think most people in this story would have quit. Most people in David's condition would have thrown in the towel. Most, I think, would have gotten angry with God, maybe blamed God, bitter with God, questioned God, even turned their back on God. But what does David do in the middle of his trouble? He finds a place of prayer. And David went up to the ascent of the Mount of Olives, to that place of prayer, and wept as he went. And his head was covered, and he walked barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered his head and went up weeping as they went as well. Now someone told David saying Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. To give you an understanding, Ahithophel was, was David's defense secretary, you would say. His military general and military genius. You see, when David's kingdom was won, Ahithophel was David's number one man. He was his right-hand man. He was the one that watched over the kingdom. He was the one that controlled the army. He was the one that had the authority, worked right under David. But Ahithophel turned coat. Ahithophel turned his back on David. Ahithophel threw David under the bus, you could say. How many have ever been there? Your right-hand man, your right-hand gal, your best friend, your somebody, your confidant, turned coat, threw you under the bus. Betrayed you. This is what happened with Ahithophel. Listen, but David, look at what David did. He was told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, immediately he prayed. O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Six simple words. Make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness six-word prayer changed his life a six-word prayer in this place of prayer that he found changed his entire situation turned the whole circumstance and situation around and you'll find that if you read the rest of the chapter because i'm not going to take the time to do it if you read the rest of this chapter in the next you'll find that god used uh, let me continue to read on And it happened as David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped. Again, evidence that this place that David went to was a place of prayer and a place of worship. That's where David went. Listen, if you're ever in a bad spot, find a place of worship. If you're in a bad spot and the enemy's pressed in around you, the last thing you can afford to do is cry the blues and boo-hoo and baha and blame God and question this and get angry at that. Lift up a hand and start worshiping God. Lift up a hand and start praising God, thanking Him that He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what you could ask or even think of. You see, David didn't ask for, for Hushai to be found at the top of the mountain, which I'm getting there. He just prayed. He just prayed and he called on God and he said, I want you to make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Six words. And it happened as David was coming to the summit where God was, that behold, Hushai, the archite, met him with his coat torn and dust on his head. And what you'll find as you read on is that God used Hushai to confound Ahithophel. David used Hushai to pretend that he was on Ahithophel's side and to get counsel from Hushai, and, his, and Ahithophel's counsel was confused because of Hushai. And at that point, the tide began to turn. And David was able to reclaim his kingdom. And Absalom, who at that point, unfortunately a son, but it was enemy, he was overthrown. You see, I say all that, and I'm not going to get all hyped up about it. I say all that simply to tell you, listen, if you need your situation to turn around... If you need the, the Lord to confuse or or, or confound the, the, the counsel of, of Ahithophel in your life to turn the, the, the works of the devil into foolishness or your enemy into foolishness, you need to find a place of prayer. You need to call out to God. You can't afford to get all boohoo about it. You can't afford to get all mad at God. You need to find a place of prayer, and you need to let Him hear your voice. And He will provide a Hushai for you that will be able to help you turn your situation around. Amen? But it can only be found in one place, and that is in a place of prayer. Listen, the reality is if we need our situation to turn around, we need to pray. Amen? If we need God to foil the plans of the enemy, we need to pray. If, we need victory in, if I need victory in my life, I need to pray. If I need victory in my marriage, I need to pray. If I need God to do a miraculous work in my son or my daughter or my children's life, I need to pray. If the devil's been messing around with my mind, I need to pray. There's nothing wrong with me calling on the pastor or anybody else to agree with me. But please understand, I'm the one that needs to pray. If you need a Hushai to show up in your life, you need to pray. You need to pray, church. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with others praying with you or walking with you or crying with you. But if it's your kingdom that's under attack, you need to pray. If it's your marriage that's under attack, you need to let God hear your voice. If it's your finances or any other area of your life, God needs to hear you. You must pray. And I'm going to start closing with this. Ask somebody to come to the music. If we don't have that, then just play some. James 5.13 says this. If any among you are in trouble, then they must pray. They must pray. This is the instruction of God. He's teaching his people that if any among you are in trouble, if any among you are suffering, if any among you are struggling, if any among you are hurting, if any among you are in trouble, then they must pray. They must let God hear their voice. You see, the reality is, church, there will always come a time in our life where we, like David, have to pray our own prayer. Always come a time in our life where we have to take off our own shoes. We have to climb our own mountain. We have to pray our own prayer. We have to call on God. You see, I believe there's a lot of us, and I'm not pinpointing anybody, But there's a lot of us that have been relying on other people, other people taking off their shoes, other people climbing their mountain, other people praying their prayer. But tonight, God is saying, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your hurts, your pains, your giants, your difficulties, your impossibilities. I said in the beginning, if you were the only one here tonight, God speaking to you, I want to hear your voice. And if you're comfortable doing this, because this is just the way that I feel the Lord leading, don't if you don't. If you're comfortable doing it, God is saying to you, I want you to take off your shoes like David took off his shoes. See, because David understood just like, just like Moses did. David understood as soon, please get this, as soon as David turned his attention to God, even while he was walking, every step was holy ground. Every step was holy ground. Every step he was getting closer to the Father. Every step he was getting closer to the answer. He was weeping, he was crying, but every step he knew, when I get there, God's going to hear me. Yes, he is. And the reality is when David got there, not only did God already have the answer. Yeah, right. It's just like the lamb was provided for Abraham. Yes, he got up there. God already put it there. Yes, it. David didn't pray for Hushai to be there. Right. God just provided it. But here's, here's all I'm asking. I'm going to ask that the prayer team come forward. But I'm not asking you to come forward to pray for anybody you can pray for you. I don't want you facing this way. I want you facing the altar. I want you facing the mountain. I want you facing God. I just want you to start praying. God wants to hear your voice. God wants to hear your cry. God wants to hear your prayer. Now, while they're doing that, church, let me finish. The reality is David said, Oh, Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto you and look up. It's why he said, I will set my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help because my help comes from you, the creator of heaven and earth. And the reality is I believe with all of my heart because the Holy Spirit gave me this to speak. Some of you need help this evening. You've been here three days, but you still need help. Some of you need heaven to move on your behalf this evening. Some of you need hell to move out of your way. Some of you need God to foil the plans of Ahithophel. Foil the plans of the enemy. Trying to devour your marriage. Trying to devour your kids. Trying to eat up your finances. You need a Hushai in your life. And if that's you you need to pray. I'm not asking the pastor to pray for you. I'm not asking the prayer team to pray for you. I'm asking you, if you're comfortable and able to take off your shoes like David, walk to that place of prayer and just begin to let God hear your voice. Amen. That's all I'm asking. And then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead from there we've got another 15 minutes at least on regular schedule, just come. God won't beg, I won't beg, but please understand God said you have not because you ask not. And tonight you can find the answer to your prayer and your situation can turn around. Amen. Just pray. Amen. Any need, whatever it might be, just let God hear you, church. I'm not listening. Your neighbors aren't listening, but God is. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, hear our prayers tonight, Father God, hear our voice. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to your will, Father God, we know that you hear us, God. I thank you that you're hearing us right now, God. You're hearing each individual voice, Father God. You're hearing the cries of their heart. You're hearing the impossibilities. You're hearing about the mountains. You're hearing about the difficulties, the hurts and the pains, God hear us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, press in. If you need to get a little louder, get a little louder. When I pray, I got to hear my prayer. Hallelujah. God, we pray that you would come and turn situations around tonight, God, that you would Turn around and confuse the council and the spirit of Ahithophel that might be in this place, God. Turn situations around. Turn marriages around, God. Turn sons and daughters around, God. Bring a Hushai into our, our prayer circle, God. I thank you that the answer, Father God, was already there, God, just like it's already here right now. And there's someone that needs to just make their way to that place of prayer, God, and they'll find that answer. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a spirit of prayer, God. Let it pour out of our soul, God. Let us pray in the spirit and with understanding, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. hallelujah come on let him keep hearing your prayers this evening church your prayer to your God he's your father and you're his child hallelujah hallelujah a father hear your children tonight I pray oh God thank you Jesus Hallelujah. Loose our tongues, Father God, to pray and to praise you tonight, Father God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Heaven's beginning to move, church. The more we pray, the more nervous the devil gets. If one can send a thousand to flight and to ten thousand, how many can fifty of us right here lifting up our voice to God? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, call out your spouse's name and call out your kid's name, call out your need, call out your giant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need you tonight, God. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your strength and your mercy and your grace. We need you to hear us from heaven tonight, Father God. We need you to penetrate the darkness, Father God. Do things what no man can do, Father God. We're not turning to the hand of man tonight. We're not leaning on the arm of flesh. We're trusting in the Spirit of the Most High God tonight. Father God, we're not coming with fancy words, with vain repetition. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, we got a few more minutes. Don't give up now, God, church. Don't give up now. It was a long way to Calvary for God to bring us, Christ to bring us victory. A few more steps. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to thank him for what he's doing. Come on, let your prayers turn to worship now. We got a few more minutes and just thank Him. Thank Him for the answer. Thank Him for the miracle. Thank Him for the healing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody's got a little dance tonight. Express your love to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Don't worry about your kids in the other room. Don't worry about anything else. God wants to meet your need tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and sing. You keep on going. We're just going to worship God as we wind this out. Give myself away. Yeah. Come on! If you ever gave yourself away, do it tonight, church. Lord, I give myself away, so you can use me. Lord, I give myself away. All Hallelujah! To you, Lord. I give myself away, so you can use. not my own come on to you long I give myself I give myself away. my life is not my own to you I long I give myself I give myself Away. come on one more time, time church Lord, I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away surrender Lord. I give myself away so you Amen. Come on. Let's just magnify the Lord tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know it's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. All week long. See, this feeling doesn't have to stop right here. Go with you in your car. Go with you in your bedroom. Go with you when you wake up tomorrow. Because like I said, any place you call on God becomes that holy hill, amen? Comes that place where God, we can speak to God. And here's what I want to encourage you in this prayer thing. God's got some things He wants to speak to you in 2014. He's got some promises He wants to make to you. He's got some words of encouragement that He wants to seep deep down into the soil of your soul... And if you don't find the place of prayer, not only can't He hear us, but we can't hear Him. How many of you want to hear from God? Amen. And we just need to find that place of prayer because God wants to speak some great and mighty things into your life. Amen. If you want to tarry, you tarry. But whenever you go, go in the Spirit and the love and the power of the Lord. And go in a spirit of prayer. I'm going to pray, and then you can go. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for this opportunity, God. This opportunity to come together with brothers and sisters in the Lord, to bask in your presence. The opportunity, Father God, to climb to your holy hill. I thank you, Father God, that you are in this place tonight, God. And I thank you that we prayed and you heard us. And now I thank you because your word says, if you hear us, we shall have the things that we asked of you. There's been some people all week that have been asking for a healing. I believe they're going to get it. Individuals been praying, Father God, about their marriage. I believe you're going to turn it around. Sons and daughters that are lost, God, whose lives need to be saved, I believe for their salvation. There's finances and cupboards that are bare, Father God. I believe that there's an abundance that's coming into their life, God. I pray that, I believe that there is an outpouring, a pressing down and a shaking together and a overflowing in their life, God. I believe it, Father God. I believe it, Lord God. It's individuals that have been praying, Father God, for prison doors to be opened, God for chains to be broken, for addictions to be overcome. I believe, Father God, that they will be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. I praise you for it, God. I believe, Father God, there's individuals here that have been praying for ministry. An opportunity, God, to move your kingdom forward. I believe that ministry will be birthed. I believe that opportunity will come. And I believe that you will guide them and give them wisdom. I believe, Father God, that we've been praying for extra finances. I know that there's been prayers for the finances of South Metro Ministries to be expanded, Lord God. I believe that they're coming. I believe they're coming from the east and the west and the north and the south, from places we can't even imagine, God. I thank you that they're coming in. For the healing, God, I believe healing is on its way. I believe hearts will be touched, that eyes will be opened, that backs will be strengthened, Lord God, that kidneys will be restored, Lord God, that, that bones will be straightened out and made well, God. I believe, Father God. People have been praying for peace of mind against the spirit of depression. I believe that there is a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory coming into their life. I believe that there is a peace coming that the world can't give and the world can't take away, God. I believe Father God with my brothers and sisters that the windows of heaven are about to open up into our lives and here at South Metro Ministries and that there is going to be a a rain like the pastor said a rain that will flood this place and flood our lives and flood our souls so my prayer is God you would get us ready for it get us ready for the rain, get us ready for the miracle, get us ready for the blessing, get us ready for the expansion, get us ready for the new ministries, get us ready for the new members, get us ready, Father God, for those that are hurting and and lost and dying and need, Father God, hope and growth and direction in their life. Oh God, I could go on all night But you know every single one of the needs. And I praise you that you've got every answer. So God, one more time. We lift up our eyes. We lift up our voice. We lift up our soul. And we magnify you. And we give you the praise. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, let's bless them one more time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah go in the Lord. Go in the power of his might and go in a spirit of prayer. Amen. God bless you.